guys, welcome to Indie Nerds, where we are not experts, just enthusiasts. My name is Bethany, and I'm a type 5. And hey, you guys, my name is Grace, and I'm a type 7. You guys, this podcast is all about having a fun time with the Enneagram, and yet finding insightful little nuggets of wisdom, hopefully. And we are so excited. We are back for season two, you guys. We have missed you. We hope that you have missed us and that you're happy to hear our voices. We're happy to be inside your ears. So, yay. We have some crazy episodes planned for this season. So get hyped, you guys. (laughs) But today, (laughs) we're going to talk about murder and death. But it's okay. (laughs) How is that okay? (laughs) Okay, so let me let me explain. <laughs> Grace and I both love listening to true crime podcast. Okay. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like it's majority females that listen to true crime podcasts. Mm. I don't know any males that do. So <laughs> so I think we're obsessed with our own murders. But <laughs> oh, yeah. That's an interesting thought. <laughs> yeah, anyways, I have lots of theories. Um, so we decided we want to com- combine our passions today and we want to type serial killers. And I know we're not supposed to type other people, but I feel like when you murder someone, you lose that, right? Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, let's just say it takes a very, very unique and disturbed and unhealthy individual to be such a person so they're an interesting deep dive into the psyche of the human psyche person psyche you know right right so we are going to put a disclaimer out there if you have little ears listening you may not want them to listen to this episode um you know we'll get back to our regular you know fun and upbeat stuff (laughs) later on uh but today you know just putting that disclaimer out there not suitable for all ages. We wanted to start with a bang. Right. (laughs) Uh Pun? Okay. Go ahead, Bethany. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to try and keep it light, but also talking about a serious subject. So we may be on a roller coaster here. Let me set the setting for y'all. Okay. It is the 1990s. So think about grunge and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And then I, you know, Britney Spears. You're, you're setting a very happy scene for this. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about what's like was popular in the 90s. <laughs> anyway, the place is England. England. So we're now going to talk in British accents the entire time. I'm just kidding. We're not. That'd be awful. Um, okay. So anyways, place is England. And this this woman's name is Beverly Allett. And um, I just want to tell you about her childhood before I get into all the crimes and whatnot. She was overweight as a child. So, of course, there was some bullying involved in that. She was one of four children. She was a middle child, and she was either the second or the third one. I couldn't quite figure out which one it was. I couldn't, in my, like, resources, I couldn't, like, pin it down. But she was definitely a middle child. Um, And she would draw attention to herself by wearing um, fake cast and bandages. And as she got older, she would try to go to the doctor for various like ailments. Um, And she even had her healthy appendix removed and then kept messing with the surgical 
scar to infect it and draw more attention to herself. (sighs) Sorry, I'm very queasy. So this is definitely setting the scene for me. Yeah, I'm trying to set the scene. So then she would have to doctor hop because they would catch on to her attention-seeking behavior. All right, so we have a child who is attention-seeking, and she's a middle child, which we know middle children are often overlooked. I am a middle child, so I know. (laughs) And they're usually psychotic. Hey, hey, hey. And my sister. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We love middle children. (laughs) So then this child, Beverly, she grows up, and she wants to be a nurse, okay? Which I think goes on, like or goes with the attention-seeking behavior and wanting to be in hospitals. So she decides she wants to be a nurse. But she had poor attendance and she failed many exams. Um, however, a chronically understaffed hospital gave her shifts. So I think it was night shifts actually at the children's ward because uh, they needed people, right? Um, very much similar with the teacher shortage, you know, a nurse shortage in America going on right now, you know, people, schools and, you know, hospitals are understaffed. And so they hire whoever they can hire that are somewhat qualified, right? So here are some of her crimes. Okay. She actually had 13 victims and four of them died. Um, and here's her MO. She would inject children with various drugs to make them go into cardiac arrest while she was attending to them. Um, she would use insulin, potassium, and lig- lignocaine, and everything she did went largely unnoticed. And she even took like nursing logs home to help her crimes be totally unseen. Okay. So you can imagine this hospital where it's understaffed, she's in the children's ward, and she's able to commit these crimes. Um, without being noticed, pretty much. You know, humor is a defense mechanism for me, and I can't <laughs> find anything humorous or quippy to say. Yeah. So I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. Right um, this is yeah, going to be a hard kinda... episode for me. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you do need to know, like, what she did in order to for us to kind of, like, analyze her a little bit. Yeah, well, those are very – they're obviously absolutely atrocious and terrible crimes – but it is a very mm-hmm. interesting. I had never heard of this woman before this episode, and mm-hmm. that is not necessarily your usual serial killer crime, you know? Right? Mm-hmm. It's not usually. And so, mm-hmm. I was looking into like, why would she do this? Mm-hmm. You know? And honestly, it was because what what she would do is she would have her uh, have these children go into cardiac arrest on her watch, mm-hmm. and then. She would be the one to try and save them. Right. So, but then it would ultimately, you know, um, most of the time it worked, but four Mm -hmm. of them still died. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she would try and save them and then get the like attention that she's always seeking for saving them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes a very like disturbed individual Mm -hmm. to do that. Okay. Um, So then finally, Somebody caught on, and there were a high number of cardiac arrests in the children's ward, and it finally raised some suspicion. And they checked the records and realized that Beverly was on every victim's case. Okay, and so 
they finally put two and two together. I mean, it's I think it's terrible that 13 children went through this right before she was finally caught or someone realized the pattern. Uh, but I do think it is typical and, you know, understaffed hospitals for things to go unnoticed, you know? And so yeah, just, I'm not excusing the behavior, but it's just something that I think happens often is that people just trust people to do the right thing a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so we just have, I don't know, we just have to be vigilant. <laughs> so yeah, I don't want to go in like too much detail about like the victims or anything. Um, yeah. But um, oftentimes um, after they go into cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest they would uh, take the victim to a, a different hospital mm-hmm. and then they would be saved um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that was another little interesting tidbit there that I found was that they would transfer them and then they'd, mad- then they'd be okay, you know? And mm-hmm. so... Just another little piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So anyways, she's caught um, and arrested and on trial, um, and she denied everything. She was like, I'm just taking care of my patients. Uh, She didn't think she was actually doing anything wrong. So then through, you know, they put people, uh, murderers through like psychological tests to Mm -hmm. see what's going on. And it was revealed that she has... Munchinson syndrome um, and Munchinson syndrome by proxy. And it's very, very rare to have both of them. So mm-hmm. let me tell you what those are. Please. Munchinson syndrome is where you hurt yourself to get attention. Mm. You make yourself sick to get attention. And then Munchinson syndrome by proxy is when you hurt someone else to get attention. So somebody who's like under your care. So there's Mm -hmm. cases of like mothers who are making their children intentionally sick to get attention. Yeah. And there's like another case. um, I watched on Hulu, the Mm -hmm. act. And Mm -hmm. that's about a girl whose mom is making her purposefully sick. Yeah. um, You know, and like her entire life. Um, And that's Munchinson syndrome by proxy. Okay. Mm. So while she was awaiting trial, she lost a ton of weight <laughs> through anorexia, which delayed her trial. And they kept, she kept saying her illnesses were too great to be there. Mm-hmm. So it kept delaying the trial. The trial lasted two months in total, and she only showed up for 16 days due to sickness. Mm-hmm. She was declared a danger to herself and society due to her mental disorders. And she was sentenced to 13 life sentences, which is the highest sentence ever given to a woman at that time for murder and attempted murder. Mm. So right now she's still alive. And instead of a regular prison, she was admitted to the Rampton secure hospital in Nottingham. She's there today. She still continues her attention seeking behavior by ingesting glass and pouring boiling water on herself. Ah! Those are just some of the documented things I could find. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? I've never heard anything like this. Right? Because like, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm a true crime fan too. But, geez, this is like a whole different like situation. I don't know. This is crazy. She's really interesting, right? Yeah. Because she has these mental disorders, 
but she's still obviously committing crimes, mm-hmm. you know? So how did she become this way? This is where we get to kind of speculate a little bit, mm-hmm. okay? And you can tell me what you think. Okay. I think it's possible that being a middle child in a family of six could have made her feel unseen. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm a middle child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, we do feel unseen. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get as much attention. Um, she may have developed the Munchinson syndrome through childhood trauma, or she may have developed a personality disorder, probably a narcissist mm-hmm. disorder over childhood. Right. Okay. Um, she may have been injured while she was a child and learned that that was how she could get to be the center of attention. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, I feel like it's a learned behavior, you know, mm-hmm. you learn, you know, oh, if I hurt myself, then people care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, she learned how to manipulate people at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people with this disorder are, are seeking their identity and being the sick one. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, my first initial thought is just back when she was a kid, things like whatever, you know, whatever she went through as a kid being, you know, sick all the time, or if she displayed odd behavior, I feel like back in the day, all that kind of stuff was just swept under under the rug. You know, Mm. Bethany, I talk about this a lot because we are school teachers and so many of our kids have, you know, are, are, what's the word they're diagnosed, you know, having ADHD ADHD. or having, you know, anxiety or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and like in a lot of ways that's really good because then kids can get the attention and the help that they need. And I feel like none of those disorders are new, but it's kind of a new thing for so many people to be diagnosed as those things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I feel like for her, she probably did. I mean, you talked about plenty of the things, the weird things about her childhood, but probably a lot of other things happened that were just kind of swept under the rug. So she probably did have like a very crazy childhood. Um, And then the thing about the what you said at the end about them seeking their identity as being the sick one, mm-hmm. I knew people like that. I still know people like that. Um, right. Obviously, they're not serial killers, thankfully, but I feel like people do search for some sort of defining feature that they can have as their label or as their identity. And Bethany, we've talked about labels so sure much have. before. We haven't talked about it too much on this podcast but we have polled like everyone in our community, whether they like labels or not. And people are very, they usually have a very, very strong reaction to that question, whether either you love labels or you hate them. Mm -hmm. And I love them. And Bethany loves them too. We do. (laughs) So I've noticed that like there are people in my life that that is kind of their identity that they Mm -hmm. seek being the sick Mm -hmm. one. They don't necessarily self-inflict the sickness. But But I just think that that's an interesting little nugget. Yeah. And it could be in their head as well. You know, they think they might be sick. And Mm -hmm. so then they go to the doctor, you know, and the doctor's like, there's nothing wrong with you. So then they go to another doctor to get Mm -hmm. another opinion, you know, Mm -hmm. and so they think they might be sick. And yeah, and that's a really good point because we've talked about 
identity within the Enneagram and how mm-hmm. some people uh, st- like stick to their identity so much. Mm-hmm. And there's other numbers who have no idea what their identity is. Right. And they have no idea what their role is. So mm-hmm. then they're looking for a role. Um, right. And so that's why some people are very much against the labels because mm-hmm. they don't know the label themselves. You know, right. why, how are you going to label me when I don't know my label? Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> and so, yes, but I agree. I know people too who I know students. Oh, I, every mm-hmm. year there's at least one kid who's always sick. Yeah. For some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just the sick kid. Um, mm-hmm. And they're hardly ever at school. Mm-hmm. They're, I call it like, I say they're like a, a three out of five day or mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll be there yeah. three out of five days a week. <laughs> they'll usually miss two days, you know, cause that's just, they're always sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so anyways, interesting little tidbits, I think about her and we can speculate all day of, you know, how she became that way. Mm-hmm. I fully believe your environment shapes you growing up. Right. Um, you know, childhood trauma is something that's, you know, very important. And maybe the wounding message she heard was you're not important unless there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you're not important unless you save the day. Right. And so, you know, so seeking that attention that way can be, you know, kind of damaging for children. Mm-hmm. So the big question is what Enneagram could she have been? Mm-hmm. So obviously she was extremely unhealthy. I'm going to put mm-hmm. that out there. <laughs> I'm not saying any number is this person. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying she's very unhealthy. And here's what I think. <laughs> I looked on the Enneagram Institute. And if you've ever been on there, I love looking at that website because they have the levels of each of the numbers all the way from one to like nine levels mm-hmm. with nine being the absolute most unhealthy you can be mm-hmm. and what kind of disorder you would have mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were at that level. So I was looking through them and I found one where it says that there's a type that are prone to histrionic personality disorders and mm. fictitious disorders. Wow. And so that means disorders in this category are generally categorized as being dramatic, emotional, and erratic. People with HPD have a distorted mental image of themselves. They often base their self-esteem on the approval of others. This creates a need to be noticed. Because of this, people with HPD, HPD may resort to dramatic antics. And then fictitious disorder is a serious mental disorder in which someone deceives others by appearing sick, by purposely getting sick, or by self-injury. And the type that had this <laughs> description, I don't want to offend people, <laughs> the type that had this description was the type two, the helper. What are your thoughts? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. First off, type twos, take a breath. We're not saying that you're a serial killer. You're okay. We're not at all. Um, <laughs> I think it, this is really – this is a hard episode because I, you and I both know plenty of type twos. We know healthy type twos and we know mm-hmm. some unhealthy type twos and some in the middle. And even mm-hmm. the unhealthy ones, obviously, they're not to this level and they're not going to go and murder people, hopefully. Right. Um, so it is really hard to to picture anyone being this – this unhealthy, especially type twos, because I was thinking about it. I feel like 
type twos, type sixes, and type nines would be the ones that you would least picture being a serial killer. Right. Um, all the other numbers <laughs> I could I could think of why they Five might five easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, literally any of the other numbers I could think of reasons um, why they might snap. Um, but the other thing that I think is really interesting is, and I'm not saying that Beverly was was this, uh-huh. but on so many of the true crime podcasts and programs that I've watched, lots of times serial killers are psychopaths. Right. So they have no empathy whatsoever. Right. Not all of them are psychopaths, obviously, but it's really hard to picture a type two not having empathy because they seem like they're, you know, one of the most empathetic numbers of all. Right. So, that that's just very very interesting. However, I I can I can after hearing her story, just the way she was, the way she decided to to go about killing and injuring these poor mm-hmm. children. I don't know. I can kind of see where you're coming from with the type two, right? And she became a nurse. Which yeah, I feel like like that's the helper servant. Yeah. And she's Kinda. helping, or helping, quote unquote, helping right. kids. So mm. it isn't like the usual. I'm using air quotes, and you can't see, but like the usual serial killers that like, oh, I don't even, you know, do those terrible, terrible, gross things and right, torture right, people right, right. and blah blah blah. But a mm-hmm. type two probably wouldn't do those things. They right? would kind of go about it the way she is if that makes any sense at all and and we know that type twos their deadly sin is pride and they do things to kind of get attention you know i helped them i you know i went above and beyond Mm -hmm. i want recognition and so i can see in in a warped way her in her mind thinking i'm getting attention because i'm saving these children you know, from cardiac right. arrest. And, you know, so I can see how, you know, that could be a type two personality. And even getting that attention and that recognition, that sounds like that could potentially be a wing three right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could kind of see that fitting into that idea as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one that I put out here mm-hmm. is the type seven. Mm-hmm. Because an unhealthy type 7 could also have the histrionic personality disorder Mm -hmm. where they are overly dramatic and erratic and emotional. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, I've seen that in you. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You're just going to agree with me. (laughs) No, I have thoughts once you're – that's why I just agree with you. You could say anything right now and I'll probably say yeah. So anyways, but I personally, I, I don't think she necessarily matches the rest of the seven type seven personality. Um, well, the thing but- that really sticks out to me that makes it not seem very type seven, and this is such a basic thing, but her as a child spending so much time in the hospital, mm-hmm. like I can't think of a less fun place to be than the hospital. Uh, and right. like, you're not with your friends, you're so limited by what you're allowed to do. So the fact that she did so many things as a kid to go back to the hospital and remain in the hospital, that seems 
not very seven like at all but obviously if she is a seven she's be an extremely unhealthy one so right. i can't really relate mm-hmm. to being a psychopath unhealthy seven <laughs> so yeah but i can i can understand why i feel like any serial killer could potentially be a type seven to be totally honest <laughs> i also think any serial killer could be a type five i feel like fives are gonna be the most prone to the psychopathic <laughs> behaviors I don't know. I can see fours, fives, and sevens. And eights. Oh, eights. For sure. Those, you know, I could see any of those four really making an appearance on this podcast. Probably. Uh, So if you want to read more about Beverly, we're going to put the links to my resources in the show notes so that you can, you know, dig deeper if you want to. Um, And, you know, let us know your thoughts. Uh, this will probably be a series that we do throughout the season uh, where we just pick a random serial killer and explore them and mm-hmm. you know, and see what we think about it tied to the Enneagram. Um, I think it's really interesting to talk about. Um, and we'll always put the disclaimer up front so that, you know, you know what's coming ahead. If you don't do well with this type of content, <laughs> you can turn it off. It will not offend us. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for upcoming serial killer episodes let us know if there's a crazy murderer that you find interesting and you want us to delve into let us know all right well that wraps up our first episode back for season two we hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next time here on any nerds you guys bye bye